Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the Bombastic Block Party Network, the dashing Daniel Markwig, and the mysterious Michael Beck Espriam. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Walt, and we're welcoming him back to the fold as an active gnome. Walt is one of the original gnomes, so we're going to get to know him all over again. Now, Walt, you uh, were one of the original gnomes. You joined when Gnome Sue started out of what had been Martin Ralia's treasure tables? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and I believe you took a step back from writing regularly for Gnome Stew in 2016, quote-unquote, retiring to become a gnome emeritus, uh, but recently you reached out with the desire to write articles again. Yeah, crazy as it sounds. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Tell us what your gamer origin story is. How did you get started playing RPGs? A long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away? In a discount mart far, far away. <laughs> now, actually, it all started, it was probably around 81 or 82. I was a little kid of about nine or 10. And I saw on television, there was a commercial for this uh, Dungeons and Dragons electronic game, which was, I think it was called Labyrinth or something. But it was, I don't know if you remember the game, it was like a little board, you know, this is before anybody had much more than Atari 2600s. Yeah. The game was, uh, you had two players and you were trying to get a treasure in the middle of this maze. And as you were going through the maze, you would put down these little orange blocks as it was telling you where the maze was. And they had to get out before the dragon got you. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So... I go to the Mart with my family. Well, I see the game on the shelf. I beg my parents to get it for me. And after a lot of begging, they get it. I bring it home. I open it up, and there are two books in the box. <laughs> because I accidentally picked up the Dungeons & Dragons basic set, um, which some may know as BX or the Moldvay box. And undaunted, I tried to figure this thing out. And uh, after a few months of me and some friends experimenting, we you know, figured it out well enough to uh, launch into a lifelong love of role-playing. So that's the story. So how did you get involved with Gnome Stew when it was getting started or before it was started? Industry-wise, uh, I had just started writing for the, you know, for gaming about about about, about the same time. Listen to me. <laughs> I had done some uh, PDFs for some people. I did some a little bit of work and you know, back then, gaming sites, at least as far as I knew, there weren't that many. And I came across treasure tables. I don't know how I did. But I was immediately enamored. And Martin Ralia, who created treasure tables and eventually Gnome Stew, uh, was a machine. He was putting out articles every day. So it was like a morning ritual that I would wake up, see what was on there. I became a frequent commenter. And then I guess around 2007, he decided he wanted to take a break. He wasn't sure if he could keep it, you know, keep things going. And I had sent him an email uh, supporting him and, you know, whatever he decided. But I said, hey, you know, I, I think I said, hey, if there's anything you, you know, need, you know, let me know. And apparently I wasn't the only one who had sent him emails <laughs> like that. So a little while later, he decided to develop Gnome Stew and he asked me to, you know, come on and join him as one of the original gnomes. I believe of the gnomes we have left, original gnomes are y you, John... Uh, Phil and Troy? Uh, is Matt still with you? Yes, and Matt. 
Matt, she's Matt's going to be so mad at me. But he'll be happy that I remembered him. He's been on a little bit of a hiatus, but he's still with us. I remember when you joined and I walked out the door. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't right away. I didn't drive you away right away. I, I joined in 2014 and you left in 2016. Mm. So you can't blame it all on me. No, I'm not blaming anything on you. <laughs> but no, at the, at the time, it was, you know, one of the reasons why you were recruited was because a lot of us were starting to suffer from burnout and we were mm-hmm. like, we need new gnomes. And then, you know, when Martin said that he was leaving, I was like, oh, this is a good changing of the guard time. And yeah, then dominoes started falling and I was <laughs> like, whoops, but <laughs> had nothing to do with you, Ange, nothing at all. No, no. And I mean, like the, the, the blog landscape has changed, you know, since Gnome Stew started and since Martin left and just things have changed. So we we don't have quite the same output of content, but I think we still have some good content we put out. I've still semi-regularly checked in, you know, even while I, after I had long since joined the uh, rocking chair. <laughs> still hard to get out of chairs now. The knees don't work as well as they used to. Hey, age is just a number until you stand up too quickly. It's a big number. <laughs> As my kids keep reminding me. What are some of your fondest memories of being involved with Gnome Stew over the years? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, I mean, in the beginning, it was really fun with the camaraderie amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean... For most of us, I, I, you know, I, I think it was really our first major being part of something in, in gaming. And once we started to go to like Gen Con and stuff together and meet up for dinner and awards and things, it was really, you know, it was, it was just fun to be a gnome. And we worked on some books together. That was a lot of fun. I got to say, when I stopped going to Gen Con, the thing I missed the most was that St. Elmo's dinner before the Any Awards? <laughs> yeah, St. Elmo's. Um, I haven't been there now for, geez, three or four years. I almost went, I think it was this year or, or last year, I almost went, but it was a case where I'd had so much meat over the last couple of days that <laughs> the thought of doing it again was, was just nuts. Yeah, I could see that. Because I have a friend who's always dragging me to Fogo to Chow. Oh, that's all the meat. And I think I had done, what's the adjacent ones in the St. Elmo's? Harry and Izzy's? Yeah, Harry and Izzy's. Yeah, we had gone there. So it was kind of like, well, I already got my shrimp cocktail. So Yeah. Some other things that I remember was one of the things I tried to do with the stew back in the day when I was writing was come up with sort of semi-regular article types. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things that I discovered that was a lot of fun were that my articles were more fun when I would ask questions and get the feedback as opposed to, you know, me pontificating on some subject. Yeah. Two that jump out are the uh, old hot button articles where I'd talk about something that like, do you like having sci-fi elements in your fantasy game or the fair or foul, which was basically, hey, this problem came up at my table. This is how I handled it. Did I do it right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or should I have done something differently? <laughs> and I, th- I think that's one of the areas in which blogs have kind of changed because back when I started and back when Gnome Stew was, you know, kind of really getting its feet under it, that engagement, after, you know, in the comment section of articles was huge. And I think in the intervening time, a lot of that engagement has just switched to different forms of social media. So it's like people still read the articles, but they don't necessarily engage in a conversation the way they used to. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that too. And I, you know, I, obviously I, when I can't, when I came back, I was like, well, I'm not going to have that expectation again. And it's funny because when I first got started, I thought I'm never going to read the comments. 
you know, because it's only going <laughs> to, it's only going to get me upset. It's only going to get me, you know, and then the first comment comes in and of course, you know, go right down and read it. I mean, for the most part, the, the comment section on the stew has been civilized. Mm. I mean, there's, there's been a few in, you know, I remember a few incidents in the past where we'd get comments that were like, oh, you're just trying to start a fight. But I think for the most part, especially back in the day when they were much more active, I still remember things being relatively civilized. Yeah. And now we have it. It's basically, you can still comment on the articles, but it kind of gets vetted before it gets published. And that's actually more for the spam bots than it is for anyone being a jerk. I also remember the excitement of winning our first award. Ah, uh, yeah. I think Martin flew in for that one. I had to share my room with him because he hadn't been planning on attending, but suddenly we were getting an award or something like that. <laughs> and there was that one award show where I fell off the stage, but we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. I didn't. <laughs> uh, Ennies, if you're listening, you could use some rails. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to be completely honest, uh, the year I was there and went up to the stage to help accept I also was terrified of those stairs because there's no handrails and I am clumsy. So I did land on my feet like a cat. That was a good thing. But hey, <laughs> maybe that's why my knees hurt so much now. Who knows? <laughs> Can't possibly be the weight. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you started writing for RPGs right around the same time you were getting involved in Gnome Stew. Can we talk about the games you've worked on? I hope we can talk about the games you've worked on. Some of them. I don't know how much I can talk about current things because of NDAs and stuff. Yeah. But there are a lot of things I've been doing this year. One of, one of the things I've been doing is something that I've been doing for a long time now, which is uh, Victoriana for Cubicle 7. We're doing it as a uh, 5e slash C7020 system, which is their new house system for that's compatible with... 5e which came out of that same uh, era that, that that little kerfluffle that happened in january that little kerfluffle back in january where everyone was like okay we're just going to make our own system now <laughs> yeah and then obviously i still have a uh, long-running um association with like the doctor who role-playing game in the past i've worked for i've done stuff for uh, uh green ronin with dc adventures uh and with through them with wizards um out of the abyss for dungeons and dragons which was really interesting because that was back when you got to write this adventure, but uh, the books aren't quite out yet. <laughs> so I had stuff on my hard drive, which was a lot of fun with my friends because I'm like, they're all like, I wonder what's going to be in the new player's handbook. And I'm sitting there going, I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> you don't even know I have it, but you know, I know what's in there. And then let's see other things that I've done. I've done some stuff for Call of Cthulhu. That's not quite out yet. I've done, geez. Lots of things. Um, <laughs> I know you've worked a lot with Cubicle 7, both the, the Doctor Who system and Victoriana. Uh, primarily, uh, I'd say a good 80% of my output over the last 10 years or so has been through Cubicle 7. Yeah, I've, like I said, I've done a lot with the Doctor Who line. I've did a lot with Victoriana. I've also worked on recently, one of the most recent things I can talk about is I did work on the um, Adventures of Middle Earth when that was Cubicle 7's. And they took the journey rules out of that and turned it into a bigger product for um, 5e generally called uh, Uncharted Journeys, I think. If I got the name wrong, I'm sorry. It's not in front of me. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it actually has a very sort of old school feel to it because it's designed to uh, make traveling from place to place more interesting with just a couple of dice rolls as opposed to, you know, trying to come up with a lot of stuff. 
travel in RPGs is one of those things where either either you just need to hand wave it and it's a, a line along between two red dots to get to the interesting stuff, or you have to make the travel itself interesting without being a slog. Yeah, it can, it can be. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how you play the game. But yeah, so lots of stuff. I, weirdly enough, seem to have forgotten more than I remember. But, you know, that's age. <laughs> so Now, um, why don't you give us the elevator pitch of what Victoriana is? Victoriana is a fantasy-adjacent version of the uh, late 18th or 19th century. So it's Victorian, but it has a lot of... Um, fantasy elements mixed you know with uh magic and you know steam basically so we have analogs of uh you know traditional fantasy species in there but they're all sort of living together there there aren't separate elven type nations and and things like that and it is roughly historical i i would say it has kind of like comic book continuity (laughs) there are superheroes in the world and but in this case they're you know magicians and engineers and um things like that but it's a lot of fun. It brings in the steampunk, and you can dial up and down the magic and the science as you as you like. Um, most of the time, it seems like most of the adventures we come up with skew toward the uh, investigation, mm-hmm. mystery kinds of stuff, and you know, then and then usually there's some combat sprinkled in. But it's a lot of like social interaction, a lot of gumshoe detecting, and stuff like that. You know, it's very different than kicking down doors and, you know, monster hunting. Although you can do that. You can do that, too. You can. I think it's that steampunk Victorian age stuff lends itself well to the Sherlockian type investigation. Then there's all the Jack the Ripper stuff. Yeah, it's just you can get into fun mysteries. Yeah, the one the one change that I would say is probably... Uh, the biggest one for this edition is that we moved the timeline up to um, 1887 for the Queen's Jubilee, and lots of interesting things will be happening during that that year. But that's a way, too, that it kind of gives a shout-out to people who've played the earlier editions, because it's kind of like the campaign you were running before is now, you know, your 20-year-ago history. So what edition is this one? I mean, obviously, it's a new system, but how many editions, prior editions have there been? Yeah, well, that's where it gets tricky because there are officially, there are four editions. This would be the fourth, but I'm so used to calling it Victoriana 5E that four just sounds weird. <laughs> and funnily enough, they, none of them have actually ever used the same, completely the same system. The original Victoriana that came out in 2003, I believe, used the Fusion system. I don't know if you remember that one. Sounds familiar. There was one version of Champions that used the Fusion system um, before they went back to the Hero system. I think it was Champions 4th Edition. When Cubicle 7 picked it up, back then it was done by uh, Heresy Games. And then Cubicle 7 picked it up, and they made a second edition with their own rules, which were, um, they called the Heresy system in honor of the old company. And that used the familiar, or the familiar to Victoriana people, Dice and Black Dice, when you're rolling, mm-hmm. you would roll a number of dice for you know your skills and your attributes, and then black dice would be thrown for uh, difficulty, and black dice could knock out you know your successes on your regular dice. We decided to do a third edition. It, the third edition used roughly the same system as second. We just made some uh, tweaks to clean it up, and one of the complaints we had gotten from second edition was 
we'd made uh, magic a little too hard to to cast. There was like no reason for a magician to uh, to throw a bolt of uh, energy when you know it was much easier to use the gun. So uh, yeah, we tweaked up the system, cleaned it up, and we made third edition was the first one to make um, the steampunky elements core. That had been the system we'd been using since 2013, and then when it was time to freshen it up, we decided to, uh, you know, bring it out to more people. And uh, and you know, to be honest, the way that the setting is, it was real easy to convert a lot of it over to 5e. And mm-hmm. throwing a lot of dice is fun, but sometimes you just want to roll one d20 as opposed to <laughs> counting up sixes and ones or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there's something satisfying about the fistful of dice, but then it slows everything down as you like have to sort through, you know, all your results to figure out what happens. Or if I go back to my Wayback Machine, there was a really funny uh, session I was playing where uh, we were playing one. Of the, I don't ver- remember which version of Shadowrun it was, but I had a street samurai, and there was another one guarding a door in a hallway in a, in a hotel, and we were both just, you know shaking fistfuls of dice at each other and throw and nobody could hit anybody it was just like i threw this massive amount of dice did i get you and brew mouse and mouse nope and it was just it was just hilarious you know it was just uh comedy of errors i'm I'm sure we were probably getting a rule wrong somewhere in there but whenever i hear dice pool that's the first thing i think of oh yeah those shatter on dice pools or or damage in champions yeah so speaking of the Wayback Machine, now that you're back as a full-time gnome, what can our readers look forward to from your articles? Well, at the moment, what brought me back is sort of the flip side of what drove me all away. <laughs> what, what drove me away or you know, sent me into retirement or however you want to call it, you know, get off my lawn, that at the time I kind of felt burnt out. Like I, felt, I thought I had said everything I'd wanted to say. Anytime I came up with a new idea for an article, you know, new in parentheses, because it would turn out to be something I had written a couple of years earlier, it was time to go. But then something changed this past uh, November or December now. And that was, uh, and I mentioned it in my first article that came back. I was sitting at, on, on the couch with my uh, eldest daughter and I was flipping through YouTube and I came across uh, Matt Colville talking about what the big equipment list for D&D was for. And that launched into a whole thing of old school play. And my daughter was like, dad, that sounds like a lot of fun. And (laughs) I was like, do you want to try it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, let me see if I can get a group together. And so January of this year, I got a group together just for a one shot. I think we had a couple of boomers, primarily Gen Xers and Gen Zers. And your daughter is Gen Z. Yeah. Suddenly, we somehow we had missed millennials. No millennials showed up. It was just <laughs> one side and the other. Yeah, we had a blast. And in prepping for that game, I started really kind of deep diving into what I call old school play, which is funny because the first thing I learned was that I didn't play it that way back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in reading that stuff, I was like, wow, this is really sort of opening my eyes to a lot of discussions and things I'd read about in the past and I never quite understood. And now I'm, you know, coming to it. I'm like, so suddenly I was like inspired to say all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> share, you know, share the knowledge and things. And I was just like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, crawl back to the stew and see if, uh, you know, I can put some of my crazy thoughts back here. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about this before, but I, I have had an aversion to old school 
OSR stuff because I don't want to play like I did in the 80s anymore. You know, it was enough to get me caught up and in, you know, completely invested in the hobby. But by the time I just started, discover started discovering different games in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and now what I've been doing lately, I just, I think back on those days as a teenager playing in my friend's family's kitchen and being like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. But then you also have to remember, it's like, we were kids. We were teenagers and, you know, as adults, there still might be stuff to glean from the way we played, even if we were playing it non-optimally as kids back in the day. Yeah, it kind of reminds me if you think if uh, you, I, I remember watching, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, but I was reading an interview from uh, the people who did um, the new uh, Voltron cartoon. Mm-hmm. That came out, I guess it's on Netflix now. I, I was on one of those. but And they said that their design goal when they were coming up with the new series was not to emulate what was in the 80s, but rather how we remembered it being. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I, as I said, I mean, I, I did not do it in the early 80s. In trying to decide, you know, and trying to figure this game out. I moved right into, you know, what I what I call these days mission-based games. You know, you show up the game master through whatever uh, vehicle they choose, pushes the players to run the mission, and that's, you know, and that that's how you play. You know, so back then it was kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Well, I just bought against the cult of the reptile god, so we're going to go through that. Okay, you know, it wasn't it wasn't in the old school style of open world gaming that you know i've since learned about so so even for my buddies it's not like we feel like we're completely back in the 80s it feels you know it all feels like fresh and new it's a new style of game because we <laughs> never did it before yeah so everybody's having fun and i think for me the two biggest things are um well three things really number one my group meets once a month or once every three to four weeks so we're not getting burnt out on it secondly because of the way it runs, I, I have eight to 10 players on any given day. That does sound old school. Yeah, you know, when you can get a big old group like that together for six hours, it's, it's something special. It's very different than my other games where I try to have eight to 10 players go through one of the you know, adventure paths in 5e, and that would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember having to adjust for you know six players. And then the uh, third thing is that... Because I'm able to pull a lot of the old adventures or modules in the old parlance back, and none of my friends remember any of them. <laughs> Once I did the setup and, and created sort of the, the world, as it were, um, for them to play in, it's very easy for me to kind of just, you know, between sessions, not really think about it. Whereas usually when I'm running a game, I'm, I'm plotting constantly. Yeah. And I, I always feel like I didn't do enough when I'm when I'm driving you know to the game or whether I'm waiting for people to come over. It's like, oh, I wish I had another couple of hours. You know, this NPC or this plot line isn't as strong as I'd like. Hopefully, it, you know, but I don't really get a lot of that with that older style. But you know, lest we forget, I still have other campaigns, and we don't. You know, I'm not exclusively playing this. It's just this is an untapped era for me to write about so 
So that's kind of where I'm starting, and then we'll see where it goes. Now, I'm excited to read your future articles on this style of game, see where it goes. Well, I can't let my kids read it. Otherwise, they're going to be like, hi, Gygaxi. And Dad, have you read your stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, I am quite glad to have you back as a regular gnome. As I always enjoyed your articles, and I'm excited to see where they go. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. It's kind of a, a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, can you go home again? Or, you know, or as I quoted in my first one, I want to go back, you know, and do it all over. <laughs> I mean, you can't really do that, but you can, you can revisit some things. Yeah, you know, there's a different diner on the corner now, and the... Uh, a few new faces. Yeah, the chain restaurants have changed hands, and... But uh, with me, you know, it always comes back to food. So that's just what I always say to people who want to be Facebook friends. I'm like, you like food and kids? Because that's all I got. Yeah. The occasional gaming thing. That's, that's not, not I, I like your food posts on Facebook. They usually make me hungry. So I say they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, they're, they, they are what they are. I mean, you know, it's you post the life you lead. And it's a lot of food and kids right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, gaming is my, huh, it's my passion. It's also my escape. So, Well, let's start getting out of here so we can All get right. you back to writing articles. This mm. show is funded by the GnomeStew Patreon. You two can Patreon back by following the Patreon link of the GnomeStew website to the GnomeStew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Budget Stasis Tubes. When you've got teammates who need a break, try out our stasis tubes, stash them away for a few years, and bring them out when you're ready for them to work again. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. All right. Thacko with Advantage. Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they talk about the games they're running and tackle a variety of topics that affect running the game. They're going to talk anyway, so might as well record it. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game that you'll never use. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, gnomestew on Blue Sky, and gnomestew on Facebook. Walt, is there anything else you want to give a shout out to today? Like I said, keep a, keep a look out. The uh, Victoriana project I uh, talked to you about was um, should be showing up. I think we're doing a Kickstarter on it fairly soon. And uh, Doctor Who's second editions are coming out. We also have, um, believe it or not, Doctors and Daleks, which is a 5e conversion. <laughs> yeah. Talk about chocolate and peanut butter together. Wow. I definitely want <laughs> I want that Doctor Who second edition. <laughs> Not sure about the 5e conversion. Did you see the special edition at the con? No, no, I I, I haven't seen it yet. It has the TARDIS doors on it and it opens up. <laughs> uh, my wallet cries and all the Doctor Who stuff I was never able to get my hands on. Anyway, uh, the thing I wanted to give a shout out to is I am headed to Game Hole Con in the middle of October along with fellow gnome Chris and Jerry from Misdirected Mark. So if you're going to be there uh, and you see any of us, come say hi. Uh, and I think I'm going to skip the whole whether or not uh, any of us need to go in the stew pot because I'm just happy to have Walt back. Yeah, my skin is too tough and leathery these days anyway. So. 